Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, it is time now to speak of the Houston Rockets uh, with the newly crowned King of the Southwest Division for the Athletic. Kelly Yuko, how you doing, man? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm definitely. Sure. I'm uh, as much as I would love to discuss uh, Point Sohan with you. Uh, we already did do the Spurs, <laughs> the Spurs shot. I know you've been around them uh, as well, but uh, you're still uh, the best man I know to discuss the Houston Rockets. So, want to just say, get right into it here. I and mean, what have been the big focuses uh, during a preseason that seems to me it's going pretty well for them? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for them, I guess, as far as the team is concerned, is to get everyone on the same page. You know, obviously, Ime Odoka has come in and he wants to play a certain style of basketball you know, five out brand of basketball. He wants to kind of not dumb things down, but keep things simple to make sure everyone kind of understands, you know, terminology, sets, spacing, and just play to the strengths of the team as a whole. And the preseason is a time to, you know, get guys in shape, get guys gelling, you know, but this having come in as a new head coach and having, you know, come in with this new coaching staff, they want to establish some sort of structure and identity early on so that, you know, they don't have to play catch up, you know, in November and December. So I think um, these games, what they played four games already. Um, defensively, they've, they've already, you know, shown that they can defend it at a high level. I think that they're third or fourth right now in defensive efficiency, um, which yes, it's preseason, I know, but the more important thing is that they're sticking to their principles. They're they're learning how to switch, how to how to recover, come up to the line of, of the screen, drop back and rotate and most importantly, communicate. I think that's what's been one of the biggest takeaways defensively for this group. Um, offensively, it's, it's going to come and go because they've had guys in and out the lineup. You know, Dylan and Fred didn't play last game against San Antonio. Dylan's been dealing with, he's been dealing with the toe thing. So he hasn't played the last two games. Um, so, you know, for a team that's already kind of low on guard talent, you know, being without their, their starting backcourt, it's going to look pretty clunky offensively. Um, but for the most part, they've been able to compete. And I think uh, heading into the regular season, you, sh- you should have some kind of optimism that, you know, that they'll hit the ground running. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, yeah, I kind of chuckled when you said preseason, but that's, you know, that's more than they've been able to say over the past three years. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so now they are trying to make a, a step forward here. Okay. Everyone who's listening to this program knows that uh, they have uh, this pick from the Westbrook trade that's out to OKC this year that's top four protected. So not much right. reason uh, to be as draft focused, shall we say, as they were the last few years. And we'll, of course, talk about how the young guys are developing and all that. But they made some big moves this uh, offseason. And let's start with Fred Van Vliet, who signed for, he was really the only max contract that was given out. He's the biggest player to change teams. So what are the Rockets getting in Fred Van Vliet? Why were they so interested in acquiring him? I think if you look over the last two years of Houston's rebuild, the biggest, I guess, 
the reason why they just looked incompetent offensively was because they didn't have structure. They didn't have cohesion. But more importantly, they didn't have a leader. And in bringing in Fred Van Vliet, they're bringing in somebody that can be an adult in the room, that they can take control of, of a half-court offense. I think they were 30th or 29th in half-court points per possession. Um, just get guys organized, get guys on the same page. He's someone that can play on and off the ball. He doesn't have to dominate possession. He's someone that can move around, can relocate. He's been one of the league's best shooters. I know he had a down shooting year, but historically, he's been one of the league's you know positive three-point shooters. Um, he's going to come in and First and foremost, is going to get those guys playing confident. I think one thing Jabari Smith Jr. and Jalen Green struggled with last season was consistency. And that boils down to, you know, confidence and, and overall efficiency. So being able to take those guys under his wing and kind of show them the ropes and how to get, you know, efficient offense on the table, that's going to be important. Number two. Um, encouraging sharing the basketball. You know, he's someone that has, well, for the last three, four years, been what, top 10 in assists. And who wants to encourage the ball moving? You know, Ime has come in and spoken about the ball can't stick. It needs to be constantly moving. Guys have to be finding the next pass, good to great passes. Um, and then obviously just building good winning habits. He's someone that's coming in from a team in Toronto where, yes, they had a down year, but he's also an NBA champion. He knows what it is and what it takes to reach the NBA's pinnacle. And the hope is that he can bring that into the locker room and kind of help these guys, you know, give them guys a tangible example of what it means to be a professional. You know, for the last three years that this team, they struggle with profession professionalism. Like it was just, it was like after school daycare at times, right? So now you're bringing in somebody that's been there and done that and who isn't going to stand for some of the stuff that's been, you know, going on. So now the hope is that Fred together with Ime, can they put those guys on the, on the track to success? Now, obviously, offensively speaking, he's going to encourage, you know, can he, can he get Shangun more touches? Can you get Jim more touches also? trying to maintain his own offensive identity and be aggressive himself. So it's going to be a learning process, I think. Um, but for there are certainly more positives than negatives, you know, in terms of uh, adding Fred to this mix. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think he is a guy, you, you put it very well, who doesn't really take anything off the table. Like he'll defend his position. He'll help. He can even do some switching if you need him to do that. You know, I think he slipped a little bit defensively in Toronto, but he also had such a huge offensive load there. Right. Uh, you know, where I, I think he, I'm hopeful that he can bounce back a little bit in that regard. And, you know, now you're not going to have Jalen Green having to accost an unidentified player, Christian Wood, who, uh, you know, for <laughs> basically like being a distraction and saying like, no, you're supposed to be the vet. You're supposed to be leading. Like now they actually have that leadership for, I think, you know, a guy like Jalen Green is very competitive, but he's also inexperienced. And so he really needed, you know, to have that rudder, which Fred Van Vliet can provide, I think, on and off right. the board. So I, I love that signing. Um, Dylan Brooks was one that I was a little bit more skeptical of. Now, of course, their plan was to also get Brooke Lopez. That didn't work out. Uh, but uh, they did get Brooks. They gave him a contract that uh, was much larger than I thought he was going to get. I mean, maybe you're, I'm wrong about this, but much larger than I think anybody else necessarily would have been offering either. Um, but, you know, the, and it was and it's fully guaranteed, you know, making over 20 million per season. One of the league's best defenders, to be sure, but also a guy who I think you know, rightfully you could say in Memphis, like he did take some stuff off the table. Like that's what I love about Van Vliet is he he sets the table. He brings more to the table for everyone. He doesn't take anything off it. Brooks certainly does on the defensive end. Offensively, though, you know, we'll see at a down shooting or even by his relatively low standards, shooting it better now. Uh, 
in uh, at least uh, over the summer with Canada. So uh, what is the feeling uh, on Dylan Brooks and why they pursued him so heavily? So to my knowledge, you know, Houston's biggest issue was trying to establish a defensive identity, right? Like they, <laughs> I, I thought you were just going to cut it off with trying. You said Houston's biggest <laughs> issue was trying. I thought you were just going to end your sentence <laughs> right there. Exactly. Well, yeah, the effort was what, you know, the effort was non-existent. So, you know, going into the summer, they wanted to, the, the best way to go from bad to average or average to good or whatever you want to call it is defensively. They need someone that can help them, first of all, want to get stops. Second of all, could raise that defensive floor, right? And Dylan Brooks, for all intents and purposes, you know, he was one of the league's best defenders last season. Now, granted, he is coming off of a down year in Memphis where he was, I want to say, a byproduct of their of their you know, chaos, but the thought of him, you know, coming to Houston and I spoke to him in Vegas and he was real open about his struggles in terms of like some shots he took and some things he did offensively. And and he he wanted to come to Houston to kind of clean that up and also be considered more than just a, I guess, catch and shoot, you know, corner three and D type of guy. And then you saw him, you know, play really well with Team Canada having the ball in his hands at times, being able to kind of drive and kick and space the floor adequately. So, you know, offensively in Houston, it's going to be a bit different because um, while this team is obviously going to be geared towards, you know, their veterans, they still need to develop their young players. And um, Jalen Green, if you're going to put him as, quote unquote, the guy, you know, there's going to be a certain amount of shot distribution, right? So um, I think Dylan's job is more along the intangibles in terms of leadership, in terms of giving those guys an edge. You already saw in preseason him um, <laughs> lose his cool or, or you know, in trying to defend a, you know, a half-court possession, but he really leaves it all on the table. And these guys haven't had someone that does that for quite some time, I think, since P.J. Tucker. So just being able to come in and give them that edge and give them... um a hope defensively. I think that's why they, they felt it was worth to pay the money. Now, if he shoots what 33, 34% from three, you know, and, and he can take their defense from 30th to 19th, I don't think that they'll be complaining too much in Houston, but you know, there's always a possibility of things going sour because, you know, like a young team and you're bringing in a pretty big personality, you know, it can always go either, either direction. But I think right now, all signs and everything I've heard is that he's been a godsend for these guys, just being in the locker room, being with him in practice, even on off days, he wants to help these guys get better. And he's already been seeing, you know, bits and pieces of progress. Like in preseason, like I said, they, they've been defending at a much higher rate than they've ever defended, you know, in the last two, three seasons. So even though it is still mid-October, I think there are things to glean from these preseason games. And if Dylan can kind of tone down some of the, the shot checking, I think this will be a good, him and Fred will be, you know, a hell of a lot better than what they had this time last year. Yeah. And I like, I think certainly you would say, Hey, if your only goal is to get better this year, they didn't have an established three. He comes in, he provides that he's able to be, especially because of his strength as well. I think that's an underrated aspect of his game is he can switch on to a Zion Williamson, a Carl Anthony Towns if needed. And so now they've got you know a lot of versatility across the lineup. You know, he can play really in any scheme defensively, you know, not a great help defender or rebounder, but hopefully they got other guys who can do that. So that all makes perfect sense. I mean, I guess you would say if it weren't going to be him, they would have just elevated Tari Eason probably into the starting lineup of the three. And if you're trying to win, he's 
<clears throat> probably not quite ready for that. He's probably still, uh, at least at this point in his career, it makes more sense to have an adventure. I guess my concern comes from if you're just looking at this starting lineup, to me, when you consider both their developmental goals and also just trying to win, like he probably is a fifth option in that starting group to me. With if you're going to assume Van Vliet, Jalen Green, Jabari, and Shangun right. are going to be the right. other starters, so that's kind of where I have. And then you know, even if on the bench units, you've got a Men Thompson coming off the bench, he's probably more important offensively to this group overall. Though I think there could be some chances yeah. to get him some something on the second unit. So yeah, that is kind of my concern. Me as you mentioned, he's looking to try to maybe be more than a, a, a spot up option how do you think that dynamic plays out um it should be an an adventure i think um just having seen how they've played so far it still looks like that they're trying to understand each other and that's going to come with anytime you have that amount of change on a roster in one summer it's going to take some time for guys to get integrated and fully understanding of what the coaching staff is trying to execute so um, I, i do think that dylan you know expanding his game or you know, however he defines, you know, being considered more than just a catch and shoot guy is going to look. I, I still think it boils down to how Fred and to a certain extent, Jalen helps at the table. Like if yeah. Fred is able to come in and, and really give these guys structure, I think Dylan will get the shots he's looking for. And at the same time with Jalen, because like, for example, you look at last season, when you look at, you know, pick and roll efficiency, I think Jalen was like 50th percentile as a ball handler. So mm-hmm. he spent some time with Team USA and he got to play on and off the ball alongside, you know, Kid Cunningham with the select team. And, you know, the hope is that he can become more of a well-rounded player. And he, even after the first couple of games, he told me like he was shocked that he had the ball that much in his hands because if you remember, Ime Odoka had said that they were going to lean more towards him being off the ball and being that efficient off the ball scorer. But now you're seeing more of a balance. And then I think that also speaks to Fred wanting that guy to be more of a well-rounded guy, just not just considered a, you know, a, a great off ball scorer. So if those two guys can get on the same page, I think it makes Dylan's job easier where he doesn't have to feel like he needs to quote unquote save the offense or save certain possessions. Cause if you look last season in Memphis, like there are times when he would just take shots eight and seconds on the shot clock and he's taking and he's taking a step back three like it's i think memphis as a whole was kind of a mitigated mess but it was still a mess to some degree and i think getting out of that environment and coming to a team where you get a fresh start i think that will do a lot of wonders from from him from a shot selection standpoint and also from a team efficiency standpoint I felt like some of the shot selection stuff for him in Memphis was a little overblown because mm-hmm. when I, I looked at the numbers pretty close to the end of the season, when he played in lineups with Desmond Bain, John Morant, and Jaron Jackson, his usage rate was only 13% in those lineups. Which is fine. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very low, right? So uh, I don't think he took bad shots when they had those other options on the floor. The problem is it always was there was, especially if they had guys out like Hughes, you know, thrust into situations where he's the second or third creator and wasn't, you know, I mean, he's going to create like a difficult mid-ranger and, you know, that's not going to be amazing. I mean, the, the early returns, it doesn't seem like he's really been gunning, you know, a 10 of his... 13 yeah. shots so far have been threes uh and you know he's had a few turnovers and stuff but it doesn't seem like he's been like really hunting his own offense uh, here in the preseason no. so I, yeah, i'm optimistic yeah, he's, he's maybe to the team yeah um so yeah i i think he 
I thought he was kind of an underrated player for a long time, and I thought he was going to get a lot of money, and then kind of the, the end of the season happened, I had no idea what the perception of him was around the league, and then he ended up getting way more than even who I thought my perception was, but yeah, I think it's going to be pretty fascinating here, uh, but I, he's definitely going to help, though, even if he takes too many bad shots, he's going to help, because quite frankly, you know, it's not like the shots that he'd be replacing that, like, those guys were, like, so efficient last year. Anyway, now maybe they'll right. be better this year, right? But I mean, I think that's maybe a little of the fear is, like, all right, if Jalen Green goes out and Jabari goes out and, like, they're they're not able to be that efficient, then Dylan Brooks is like, hey, there's no reason that, like, these guys should be shooting over me. Like, I, I, can, I can go out <laughs> here and have, like, low 50s percent true shooting. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? Like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing, like their premium Slub Crew tee, the No BS High 
high-rise pant, the slim roughneck pant featured in Giant Magazine, issue two. Every American Giant piece is made in America and designed to last, no exceptions, and it provides year-round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finisher code CAPSPACE at checkout. Please remember we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know you came from us. How do you see the rest of the rotation shaken out then uh, behind that starting five, which I imagine uh, that seems pretty locked in, you think, those stars? Yeah, I think that's pretty locked in. So how do you Um, see the bench happening then? So it's funny that Amen Thompson has quietly emerged as their go-to guy off the bench in terms of, you know, you look at the roster, there's a real lack of, well, there's a real playmaking drop-off after Fred and Jalen go to the bench, right? So a man comes in and previously there was this thought internally where they didn't want to feel like they had to throw him to the fire and, and see how he survives akin to, you know, what happened with Jalen and Jabari last, last season or well, in Jabari's rookie year and Jalen's last two seasons. But ever since Amen has been in Houston, like <clears throat> he's been explosive. They loved him behind the scenes. Like he does all the things you want to do from a young player. He's attentive. He's receptive. He's, he's team first team oriented and when he gets on the floor like you see what he's doing he's cutting he's constantly moving whether it's driving and kick getting to the teeth of the defense um screening for others uh, even the, the outside jumper is looking a bit smoother and faster uh, he's worked with ben sullivan which is houston's lead assistant and a quote-unquote shooting guru i know he hates that term but uh, that's <laughs> essentially what he is um but a man is just he's gonna be he's gonna play a lot of minutes for this team um they like what he brings to the table and they like how he combines with other quality ball handlers like a Fred or a Shangoon and Jay Sean Taylor. They like what he brings to the table. Now, outside of our men, you look at guys like Jay Sean, who's had a really good preseason in terms of he looks healthier, a little bit leaner. Um, and with Jay Sean, it was never an issue of like intangibles, right? Like you look at his advanced stats, like he's always been a plus guy on the floor, like transition. He was 80th percentile. I think as a ball handler, he was 70th percentile. But the thing with Jay Sean was always the threes. Like, can you keep defenses honest? And yeah. last season, he struggled shooting. He struggled with health, struggled with shooting. But so far, I think he's looked really good this preseason. So I think they're going to rely on him a lot. They love what he brings to the table. Um, all the coaches talk about um, he's a winning mentality type of guy. And that's what you every team needs in terms of someone that's unselfish. that's going to bring guys together. Tari Eason, another guy, you know, Another another great energy guy like these between Tari, Jay Sean, Amen, and then you look at guys like um, obviously Londale. You still have the Jeff Greens of the world. You still have you know the Cam Whitmores. Those guys have all shown that they can contribute um, when called upon. So uh, I would be shocked if he ran more than ten guys as a rotation. But I think that the the, the reserve five I would go probably Amen, Tari, Tate. Yeah, but Bullock has got to be in there too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Bullock. Yeah. Londell and Bullock. Yeah. So that's, that's what I would go. And then you can alternate between Londell and Green just in terms of like matchups, how the game is going. Cause I know you made, he loves Jeff Green because of his ability to space the floor at the five and he can defend one through five. So, and yeah, Bullock, they, they need that shooting like a hole in the head. Like they, this is a team where that struggled, you know, spacing the floor and just hitting quality looks from outside. So. Bringing him into the mix, it should do them a world of good as well. Yeah, I think that's like, quickly, this is a, as an aside, why did he sign in Houston? You know, I, I assumed when I saw he was signed there, like, oh, they have some of their room exception, like they're just going to pay more money than anyone else. I th- would have thought like a number of contenders would be after him. He's just going there for the moon. So 
my guess would be he chose Houston over some other right. options. Why did he do that? So one thing I've heard consistently is that a lot of players around the league really take to email Doka. And he has this way about him when he talks. It makes you want to play for him. Like he has a way of bringing guys around his you know center of gravity. And because all these guys that signed in Houston could have had better options elsewhere, like Fred, Dylan, like Reggie, like those guys could have been playing for contenders right now. And nobody would have batted an eye. Like even the, even with the down year Dylan Brooks had, he could have played for a number of teams and no one would have, you know, cause he, he met with a lot of good teams, right? So, you know, all those guys could have gone elsewhere and yes, money talks, but in terms of Reggie's case, they didn't offer more money than, you know, other contenders or other teams. So he really wanted to come and play with Ime. He really wanted to come and be a part of this, this thing that they're trying to build in Houston long term. So, and, and obviously at a position of, of need, if he comes in and has a, a great year, he can earn a nice payday elsewhere. Like, so it's, I think it's a win-win type situation for those guys that come in at this stage in their careers, because um, if, if they come in and play well, they can help those young guys grow and then they can choose to stick around or choose to, you know, get paid elsewhere. I don't think anybody would be complaining about that, but there's been this movement this summer of Houston trying to flip the page and go from phase one to phase two. And they've, they've called phase two, you know, winning basketball and returning to the postseason. So the way to do it is by adding players that help winning. So adding a sharpshooter in Reggie, adding a competent veteran point guard in Fred, adding a, a competent wing defender in Dylan. Like you, you need those kinds of players because for two, three years, this development frankly didn't work. Like you were, if they had kept at that rate that they were going, they might not have won 25 games for the next four years, right? So, <laughs> you know, they had to make a change at some point and stop the cycle. So um, bringing in Reggie at this time um, in concordance with the other guys, it really shows that they're at least trying to make a conscious effort to take a step out of the rebuild. Yeah, I think Bullock is important because, you know, I'm looking at the hoops hype depth chart for these guys that hasn't been updated for Bullock yet. And, you know, they've had Jay Sean Tate as the backup shooting guard, which I don't think that I guess that technically would have been Eason. But yeah, they, they just needed someone who's low usage, but can also shoot the ball and defend low maintenance right. just as a player overall. Now, Bullock turned 33 yeah. this year, so he may just and he also famously always shoots it poorly the first two months of the season. So maybe yeah. he's just not necessarily going to deliver. Uh, and you know he kind of goes the way of Justin Holiday, who has kind of a similar game, and it fell off at, at this age. But well, he, I thought he was decent enough last season, so I, I think he can he can help these guys. Um, let's see. I want to talk a little bit more about Amen. I mean, I'm really fired up about this guy. Um, yeah. You know, I think the shooting does look better to me. I think he's three of nine from three. He's at least been shooting it with no hesitation. Like one of the comps for him that I had was Ben Simmons, but you know, I think Amen is shiftier, not quite as big, obviously. I think he has pretty close yeah. to similar level of vision, you know, pretty cl- close to similar level of defense. In fact, Amen, you know, is right. a much more established defender at this point. Simmons didn't really learn that until he was in the NBA. And and, uh, you know, I think he's, you know, he's not afraid to get fouled. He gets to the basket. He'll throw himself in there. And yeah, he's actually, he's taking shots uh, as well. So I, I guess, I mean, you talked a little bit about kind of what his role on this team is going to be, but I want to take a step back further and just say, you know, you've, you've seen him now. You've heard what people are saying about him. What do you think is a, a potential path in the in the future for Ben Thompson? Um, you know, everything's going to come down to how much do opposing defenses respect him? Like if he can get that three-point shot to league average, you know, this, this this is a guy that we're talking about is going to be a Swiss Army Knife type player because with the ball in his hands, he's just 
aggressive. He's he's direct and intentional. And a lot of things that you don't see in young players coming to the league at this stage, right, where he commands so much attention with the ball in his hands that it forces defenses to shift and rotate and because his vision is, uh, is is beyond his years at this stage. Like he's throwing whip passes, behind the back passes, no look passes, and he puts a lot of emphasis on space creation. You know, he's able to use his his footwork to, you know, leave defenders, blow by, he's super athletic. And I think the pathway for him is to be in an actually integral part of winning basketball for this team because even defensively, he's 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 everywhere. And this kid is I saw I think there was a position he he wrote he rotated from the opposite side of the free throw line and got a block on the left corner. And, and it's like, this kid is a freak of nature. Just watching him at that size and the wingspan and, and seeing how Ime Odoka can use him as, as a piece. You know, it's, it's something to really think about, you know, seeing how that development goes because this is a, he was one of those guys coming into the league as, you know, he had some questions about his jump shot, obviously, but no one ever questioned his motor. No one ever questioned his, his ability to make winning plays. So, so I, I think, I think he's able to do a lot of things that make good teams great. And it's a lot of praise for a, a 19, 20 year old, but there's a reason why this kid blew them out of the water in, in their pre-draft, whatever their pre-draft um, workouts and stuff like that. And, and he's someone that's going to be around for a very long time in this league. I like that they're playing him at backup point guard. I want to see what he's capable of doing as a, one of the main focuses of the offense. You know, his twin brother, right. who to me doesn't have the same ball skills. You know, he's, I think he's going to be playing more off the ball in Detroit, although they, right. they seem to really like him yeah. there too if they're trying to establish a defensive culture. I mean, that's a great thing if you're young and you can defend. Like, that's a great way to get on the court. But they've been putting the ball in his hands in preseason. And yeah, you can go under on him in pick and roll. Like, he's taken a few of those threes. You know, we'll see whether that's actually a weapon. I'm guessing it's not going to be this year. But like, he's so fast. If you go under on him, if you get separation from his body getting back in front of him and stopping that momentum is very difficult so, and particularly if he's playing yeah. on a second unit with either landale or jeff green like they've got some spacing at the five and you know tate eason like those guys aren't amazing shooters uh you know we'll see how they intersperse the starters with the bench units at this point but yeah i mean i just i don't know that i feel like he has superstar potential or not i mean certainly athletically he does ball skills at that size vision defense i mean it's really only the shot that you look at as like what could be holding him back from all-star potential but i want i want to see them let him kind of push things but the difference is you know he's doing that on the backup group right like in in contrast to what took place with like a jalen green his rookie year and you know all right if he only plays 15 minutes that night it's not the end of the world so i i He's one of the most intriguing prospects to me, you know, not necessarily like best, but most intriguing in terms of just like his, the, how unique his game is and what he's going to become. I, I he's one of the guys I'm absolutely most excited to see this season. Yeah. And, and, and also with, with him, you know, I think they're, they're kind of staggering their guards a bit. Right. So they'll start out with Fred and Jalen, but then they'll also play Fred with a man. Yeah. They'll also play a man with Jalen. So it gives him different looks at you know, table creation and, and trying to see, you know, how to play alongside other ball handlers, which is a big thing for, for young guards in this league. Like you have to be able to play alongside other guys that can do similar things that you can, right? So being able to function alongside uh, Fred Van Vliet and act as a screener, act as a cutter, you know, act as someone that's going to not he'll take advantage of the space that's given to him by the opposing defense and he'll make them pay. So he's still going to learn. He's still going to go through his lumps. He's still going to have his struggles. I'm not sure how much the shot's going to hold up in the long term, but you can see early on that the work is there. And as long as the ethic, the work ethic is there, 
I think the results will pan out. So there's been kind of a culling of the young prospects. I think I was surprised a little bit at some of the moves they made. Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, right. Tai Tai Washington, some of the guys who weren't necessarily in their plans, but you felt like could be decent. I mean, now perhaps noteworthy that none of those guys is actually on a full NBA contract right now. But, you know, the brand gets damaged when you get traded in that way. But they had this big plan that they were going to create the space for Brooks and Lopez and and obviously uh, Van Vliet and bring all those guys in that didn't work. So I don't, I don't know if they would have kept those guys uh, had they, that plan kind of not ended up coming to fruition. Um, so Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Alper and Shingun, Tarice, and that's kind of, and then you got Cam Whitmore, who they added this year, but that's kind of who's left uh, at this point. So uh, I'll let you pick here. I, I want to just talk about the development of these young guys because ultimately I do think that, you know, Van Vliet, Brooks, those guys are known commodities here. Uh, you've got the young guys who, you know, they're young guys. I don't know how good they're going to be. Like Jeff Green, Jay Sean Tate, those guys are solid role players, but aren't going to like drive yeah. winning. They're not going to drive your offense. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. So as we try to project what these guys are going to be, it's still, even though they put a good ecosystem around, it comes down to the development of those main prospects. Uh, who do you want to talk about first? Let's start with Shangun. Yeah. So so with LP, you look at, I guess from an advanced metric standpoint, last season, I think there were a plus seven with him on the floor offensively. Yeah. Like he just... Well, he or se- seven points better than when he was off, you mean? Seven, seven, yeah, seven points better than when he was off. So yeah. they were at least... Their offense was was putrid last season, but it would have looked even worse with him off the floor. So he is somebody that is 
a very polarizing player because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. He is one of the best young big men in terms of passing, vision, you know, offensive skill set. What they want him to do now, what Ime has preached him to do, like to work on going forward is A, becoming more of a floor spacer in terms of taking those threes and making those threes to yeah. make sure the defense just can't, you know, sag at the nail and just wait for you to, you know, look for a cutter. B, cut out those pump fakes that he's prone to take. You know, he he's someone that will have the ball on the perimeter, he'll pump fake, and the defender isn't even trying to come out there and contest, but he's just pump faking. And then C, I think he talked about it last night, but was trying to cut out the home run plays. You know, sometimes he'll go for the, the, the league pass pass and he'll, instead of just making a simple read and having the ball keep going. And he's someone that wants, he likes the flash, right? So he likes to have that flair to his game, which is good. But um, where this new coaching staff wants to clean things up is to turn him from an exciting young player into a bona fide talent and somebody who they can actually build a competent defense around and offensively can make them dynamic. Now, defensively, and I think and Dylan told me this uh, a couple of days ago, but he is looking more engaged in terms of the motor and wanting to help on drives, help on, you know, stunt and recover. Now, Grandy still takes some work. He, he did get dominated by Zach Collins these last two games. Um, but I think he's in his head a little bit. He's trying to overthink things where it's kind of a bit of fear, you know, because the coaching staff is such a rigid, no nonsense type mm -hmm. ordeal where young players can sometimes suffer from, you know, thinking too much and, you know, trying to count their steps, whereas allowing the game to come naturally to them and progress things from A to B. But I, I think overall, he's going to be fine. You know, he, he's somebody that um, when you watch and you hear other players speak about him, there's a reason why these great players are talking about this kid in terms of him being one to watch because, you know, if his development goes according to plan, they are looking at a real star on their hands, but everything has to play out right with him in terms of he has to have a jump shot. He has to have a, a, a relatively reliable three-point shot. The comparisons to Joker are great, but you look at Joker in terms of there isn't anything you really can't do with the ball, right? So Shangun has, you know, similar skills on, on a much smaller scale, but yeah. it's good to be up to Udoka and this staff to extract that out of him at an efficient rate. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think something that's struck me is, I mean, this was a big problem for this whole team. I mean, everything happened so slowly. Every decision got made so slowly. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, 8.5 basketball instead of 0.5 basketball, like Greg Popovich yeah. likes to say a year ago. And, and Shingun, I think, was part of that, right? Just a lot of holding the ball now. Is everyone else, like, doing a great job of cutting or whatever? Like, other than, you know, Kmart, maybe not. But, uh, you know, and there's just, when he would get it, okay, you mentioned the pump fake, right? Okay, I'm going to kind of back my guy down, spin left, spin right. And that was actually pretty effective, you know, particularly against mismatches. Uh, you know, the yep. numbers on post-ups were very solid, 63rd percentile for a team that has no spacing. That's pretty good. And then... Also, just the shooting, you know, it's not quite Jokic level. No one is. But the shooting from three to 10 feet, uh, almost 50%. And he takes a lot of like, th those are like floaters, hook shots. Like that's push, becoming a real weapon. Shots, yeah. 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 So, yeah. and that's like for him to develop that kind of a touch, I think is really exciting because he does have a lot of ball skills. He can pass if he gets to the point where, you know, he can be really effective in the post. Okay. Maybe you don't throw him in there you know, trying to post up uh, against Joel Embiid, but all right, you can get him a mismatch. The opponent switches the pick and roll, that sort of thing. Uh, you can get into that. And yeah, you know, we'll see on the shot. Like he had baby steps, only took 57 a, a year ago on a team in which Usman Garuba took over 50 <laughs> three-point attempts as well. So, 
So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm still excited about him offensively. You know, you kind of wonder. Like, I think league average is about his ceiling on defense. I think he does an okay job of verticality when he's in position, uh, but, you know, doesn't have the quickest feet, obviously, like not really a switch guy. So I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, if he can get to kind of like a Sabonis level defensively, like that's probably what you're hoping for. He's got a little bit more size and length than Sabonis. But, I mean, I think like the defense, I think he'll work at it. Like this, they'll get this out of him. If he doesn't defend, he's not going to play that much. But when you think of it in the long term, like, hey, is this – and I mean, they tried to sign someone over the top of him th- this off season, right? Like, uh, he's right. 35. So that, I mean, that is somewhat noteworthy. Uh, but now he's kind of the unquestioned starting center, but yeah, I mean, he's gotta be to me, given what you need from the center position defensively. If this team really wants to get in championship contention with him as the center, like he's gotta be, you know, something on the order of like your second best offensive player for that to really work. And I think he does have that kind of talent. He does. The only thing with that approach is as far as this preseason is concerned, yeah, he may hasn't really tried to play to, you know, Shangun's specific skill set, right? He's tried yeah. to play more of a team balanced ball moving, you know, less post-ups, you know, more intentional drives and kicks and spacing and shots. So um, I think that a time will come where he does, you know, play to his strength because he, he always talks about um, know your personnel. And, you know, if you know your personnel, you know that Shangun is one of the, one of the game's better postal players and he's a tricky guy. Like he can, you know, spin off the top of the key and, you know, weave his way to the low block and he can finish over smaller players. But that's kind of a slower paced offense for what they're trying to do right now. Yeah. And a lot of what Houston offensively is going to be, they're going to take the identity of their backcourt, right? So Fred and Jalen are going to set the tone for everyone else. And those guys are really bang, bang type players. Like Fred is obviously more calculated, but he still plays pretty fast for, you know, for at that guard position. And obviously Jalen is one of the league's fastest players and he wants to get up and down in a hurry. So it's going to take some time for those guys to gel. I think all on the same page and Part of the reason why I think Shangun has struggled offensively in the last two two games is because he's, you know, trying to find that happy balance between his game and Ime's game, right? So the time will come when everything's on the same page and they're clicking and it's gonna look rah-rah. But I think for now it's gonna take some time. So um for for people that are, you know, on the Shangun train and thinking of hopping off, I would say I'll pump the brakes a bit just because, you know, he's a young, he is coming off of a two-year stint of chaos. And their coaching staff has preached, you know, giving him some structure because a lot of these young players that come to the NBA, they don't have a lot of structure. They just come from, they don't, they're trying to skip college ball and, you know, go from AAU to whatever. And overseas, you know, it's, it's different. So Shangun didn't have the benefit of a structure and cohesion of his first two years in the league, which was the most important years till date. So um, some of his struggles are, are, are warranted. Uh, and it's it's going to be on again. It's going to come down to the coaching staff too, and him as well for sure. But they have to give him that plan to follow. Yeah, sage words there. I mean, Imi Yudoka coming in with a mandate to try to get better. You sign Fred Van Vliet and Dylan right. Brooks. You're not going to go to those guys and be like, oh yeah, actually we're going to run everything through our, our third year center. Right? That's just not yeah. what what's going to happen. So hopefully he'll get some chances to do that while also just kind of generally being more accountable uh, and serious but they also have some other options i mean you know maybe it's not necessarily going to be landale or jeff green closing games but uh, we can shift to our discussion of jabari here you know it seems like sure. playing him more at center is something yeah. they're really going to look at pretty seriously he had a great summer league obviously what's the noise on him now in preseason the noise on jabari is 
trying to keep this momentum going. Like you saw to close his rookie season, he kind of caught fire a bit. He kind of shook off some of that early season rust and was looking confident in his shot because coming into the, to the league, he was heralded as this what two-way potential 40% shooter with the 6'11", 7'3 wingspan. You saw him summer league, him being able to put the ball on the floor and kind of showed three-level potential. And obviously um, at that size, compare him to Kevin Durant in terms of the, the the potential of the fadeaway jumper, which is very hard to contest at that size. Uh, he's kind of picked it up a little bit. Now in preseason, um, Van Vliet has made a conscious effort to make sure that Jabari's remaining aggressive, right? In terms of looking for his shot, not settling, you know, trying to clean up some of the inefficiency of his rookie season, but keeping him on the front foot. And I guess so far in preseason, he looked a lot better than he did this time last year, which is a good sign for a young player going into his second season. Uh, The biggest thing for him is can he keep that three-point shot consistent? Because if he's a 38, 39% shooter at that, you know, with that ability, it opens up a lot of things for not only his guards, but himself as well, because he has shown an ability to take advantage of mismatches at times when they're on the low block and he can help, he can post them up and fade away or, you know, a mid-range pull up here and there. But I think Jabari's stock is rising pretty rapidly in, in Houston. And um, I think preseason, he's probably second in, in shots attempts per game. I think around 11 or 12, which is, it is, again, it's preseason basketball. So take those things with a grain of salt, but there is a clear mandate for him to be as aggressive as possible. And I think they, that that aggression will carry on to the regular season. I was probably most encouraged defensively by summer league. I know his scoring got a lot of attention, but I thought he really is starting to look like the force that he was advertised to be. He just looks big out there too. Like he looks like he could hold up at there now. All right. Is he going to guard and beat in the post? Like, no, probably not. But no. you know, in, in a lot of matchups, can you, could you get to that? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, it would be possible. And then, you know, I don't know who we could talk about the closing lineup and who might sub in there in a second, but like that. So that's exciting to me that he's getting to that point and having sort of that second defender, a power forward who can also slide over to center. That looks right. pretty good. And yeah, I think just like, is he going to make shots, right? It, and because then that really opens up so much if you play him at center in certain lines, if he really is that kind of a threat or, you know, can he be that pick and pop weapon? I'm For this season, I'm not loving the whole isolation thing. I mean, I think even in summer league, you know, he's getting to the foul line a lot. I thought like some of that was just bad defense, just following him. You know, he wasn't getting like great separation. I thought he, he's still a little bit slow. Like he's got the size advantage, but it's it's still a lot of times it's going to lead to a mid-ranger if you try to go to an ISO for him. You know, I don't, he's still like not really that explosive off of one foot, like getting all the way to the rim yeah. on a drive either. Like if he loads up, he gets up, but he's not like, you know, a, a guy who can really like get great extension or right. you know, like great Euro steps, change of direction, anything like that. So, I mean, I think that's like just to continue to solidify himself as like a real plus defender at that position and just, you know, make shots. I mean, that was the thing that nobody had any question about was that he was going to make shots. And that if you defend like that at the four and shoot the ball, that's a really valuable play already. And then, you know, maybe some of the individual offense stuff, the post-ups against mismatch, maybe here and there. But I, I think uh, that's something that can come in time or maybe not. And he's still a really good player. So I, I'm I'm excited about him. Uh, you know, I didn't think when he was drafted that he was a guy that I thought had superstar potential, like with the ball. Uh, you know, right. I think the summer league was encouraging in that respect to some degree. But I mean, he's still re- that's a really good player if he makes shots and defends the way he 
he's capable of it. Like that's a winning player. Another one of these guys who, you know, can, that they just haven't had who, you know, makes shots, defends, like doesn't take anything off the table for your teammates. And, and, and that's kind of the way to Ime's heart, right? Which is defense. And if you can be that guy, maybe the apex of a defense that wants to switch one through five, can you play in tandem with a Fred? Can you play in tandem with, you know, a Dylan Brooks? Can that be like your defensive backbone if you need to close a game out, right? So if Jabari can show, because at times last season, he was a step slow defensively and he kind of got caught ball watching, which is a common thing with rookies. But, you know, from a, an intangible standpoint, he has the wingspan. He has the length to trouble, clog up passing lanes, get steals, get hands in there. Physically, can he, how long can he last in, sh- in spurts at the five? Obviously, like you said, it, it's depending on the match. Like he's not going to go against Valchunas. It's just, just not going to happen. But if you need to get a, a change up, you know, and get some speed in there. You know, maybe Jabari can step in at the five, and 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 you can switch one through five, and and kind of get some turnovers, and kind of how they used to play. You know, with D'Antoni at the at the tail end of the 2020 season, in terms of you know, just kind of shrink the floor and force turnovers and stuff like that. But again, he's going into his second season, so because his his first year was so inconsistent, um, he does come in with a bit of a question mark about how he's going to be used and how it's going to look. But um, so far, the early returns are are promising. All right, so now that leaves Jalen Green, and that's just as much as we've talked about these other guys. You know, I I don't. He's the one to me that has the highest potential still on this squad, and right. you know, this is this will be year three at this point. Like he yeah. hasn't been able to be efficient. There have still been flashes. He's able to create shots. Obviously, you know, this is a different right. time now where basically any rookie who comes in who can create shots gets to just you know shoot twenty eight usage or what or whatever it is, and that's just for most guys. You're not going to be efficient there. And of course, they had no shooting. They had no passing they had no structure uh, these last few years so it wasn't a great ecosystem for him but certainly he could have been better and you know i, I don't think we need to talk about him in, in the long term i still think there's a, a lot there but to me he's the most important player on the team he's going to be their highest usage player like can he get right. up to being a really high quality scoring option that they are going to lean on this year to actually help them win basketball games i think that's going to be the big question i think yeah. on paper he 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 can but if his first two seasons are any indication he still has a lot of work to do efficiency wise like he takes for a guard that's that athletic you should be finishing more at the rim and i think um last season we saw some kind of a lot of drives that were questionable in terms of how he tried to finish over bigger defenders and try to just go for the grand slam every time whereas if you work on your deceleration and you know, getting to your sweet spots. He's actually very quick in terms of being able to pull up from anywhere and putting defenders on on their heels. So part of the reason why they brought in Fred was to take him under his wing and kind of show him, number one, how to create more efficient looks for him. And number two, how to learn how to play at 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour. You know, just not everything has to be at 120, 130. Um, I really thought that his first two seasons he was just a byproduct of the chaos, but he wasn't. He he was also culpable and part of that decision making, right? Because he had the ball in his hands so much. You know, Houston wanted to let him loose and kind of force him to figure things out on his own. And as a young guard, that can be the greatest thing and the worst thing in the world. Because if you're given that freedom to explore yourself offensively, you should be able to figure out what works and what doesn't. And and Jalen's issue was that too many times. He, he knew what the right play was in terms of making an extra pass or just resetting, but he wanted to take the, the mid-range jumper or the contested three. So 
in Houston's first two games preseason-wise, it was pretty clear that Fred wants to get him shots. And it's pretty clear that although their offense is kind of team balanced, Jalen's going to get the most shots in the team. Now, can he take full advantage of that and turn that from a 22-point-per-game score to a 27? For sure. Like, they have a better team around him, a better structure. You would think, in theory, that you get better shots, you convert them at a higher clip, you average more points. The key for Jalen also is defensively, can you not be a net negative? Last season, sure. him and Schengen, I think they were a minus seven. Um, the, I know two-man ratings don't, re- don't really mean much, but he got caught too many times ball watching. He got caught too many times lackadaisical in transition. In terms of one-on-one defense, he was actually pretty, he was pretty solid. He wasn't, he wasn't great by any means, but he wasn't a pushover. But the issue with him is the other stuff that comes with team defense is what really put him behind the eight ball a bit. So, you know, he has a lot of work to do. He's a talented kid. He's super athletic and jump out the gym, but he needs to show it on a consistent basis that he can be counted on as the guy. And he's, even if he's not going to be the leader of the team, because that's obviously going to be Fred, but all those guys, they, they will play better if Jalen Green is an efficient, athletic go-to scorer. So um, I think the tools are there for sure. But going to year three, this is typically the year where you see guys take that leap. You look at guys like Anthony Edwards. You look at guys like that have taken that leap going into their third season and have shown that there's real promise in them. So I think this is going to be, you know, quote unquote, the biggest year for Jalen yet. No, I, I agree with you on that. And I mean, he's still his speed, maybe even more than his leaping ability is what really stands out when you watch him. And like, if he really gets going his first, second step, like there's basically no one who can slide their feet and actually stay in front of him. If he really right. gets going now, you mentioned the ability to, to accelerate change speeds, use that acceleration. That acceleration works a lot better. If you can you know, hit the gas multiple times, slow down, yeah. draw guys uh, off balance. You know, a few stats here that I think are, are kind of interesting on him. Uh, free throws per 36 went way up. He almost increased that by more than 50%. He's up to 6.4. That's a pretty good number. Like he's now he's thin, but he's sudden enough that he gets the defense in compromising positions. He can get to the foul line. Usage went from 24 to 28. Three point percentage is right about the same as last right. year, right around 34%, taking 7.7 per 36 minutes. The number that really stands out to me that I hope could be a lot better for him contested finishing, right? You think this is one of the most athletic guys in the league? 45% on shots around the rim that were contested. This yeah. is from our, our Seth Partno, our proprietary stats he does for us. That I think is, and now can he even just turn some of those into fouls instead of just kind of wild drives or can he turn right. those into setting up a, a three-point shooter instead? Um, and, you know, I think his shot will just kind of incrementally improve. To me, it's more about the rim reads and the finishing. That's what I'm most looking for from him this year. Yeah, and the good thing about that is that when he spent time with the team USA, the select team, he got to see kind of what that looks like at game speed in terms of having to make those rim reads, having to make those secondary tertiary looks, going from a good shot to a great shot, just being around better players than yourself. Like it forces you to up your game. So can you take some of that learning, some of those teachings and bring it to to Houston? Because if you go back and watch the film from last season, a good chunk of those drives could have ended up in kicks to someone else or simple resets or, you know, obviously it's not up to you if, if you if you get fouled or not, but you can put yourself in better situations to to earn those calls, right? So, you know, it's all part of the young player's growth, but I still think that 
you know, he has enough, he's shown enough to to warrant some intrigue. He might be their most intriguing player of the season. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Zach Lowe wrote about him uh, to that effect. I guess one more stat I wanted to have for him, and then we can get into predictions here. Career uncontested threes, 40.5%. That's pretty good. He just doesn't take yeah. many uncontested, and there weren't, there wasn't really anyone setting up. Like, is it possible that like someone else could actually break the paint and like kick out to him for just like an open shot? You know, like that's that's something that we haven't seen a ton of uh, for him. He's had to create uh, just about everything, and then you know, he's going to still uh, have to do that. But they at least have some other options that hopefully can draw the defense, get him maybe some more uh, running the wing and transition uh, as well. So yeah, I, I'm. Uh, we'll- Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. See. You know, I, I guess as we get into predictions here, I guess the last question I have for you before we do that, closing lineup, what do you think it's going to be? Wow, that's a good question. Um, So I would throw Fred in there. I'd throw Jalen in there. I would throw Dylan in there. I think it really depends on how the game is going, right? So if you need speed, I can see them going small. Like where you put in a Jayshon or a Tari with a Jabari, right? Or if they need to get a defensive stop, you know, you really have the tools to play with. Like you could go... um with Jabari, Fred, Dylan, Tari, and Jayshon, or, or, or even I'm in. Like, but yeah, it, it, in, a, in, a, in a typical five point game, they need to stop. I think you would see Fred. I think you would see Jalen. I think you would see Jabari, Dylan, and then a fifth option. So it really depends on how the game's going. I think one of the good things about this roster is that they can. They don't have to be so rigid where they can they can mix and match certain things based on how the game is going, based on the matchup. You know, they have the ability to play small, play big, play fast, space the floor. You can throw Reggie in there. I forgot. I keep forgetting Reggie. But yeah. if you need a if you need a, a, a floor spacer, I would, I would do that as well, too. So um, they have a lot of options. They do. And, and I think particularly with what you were saying about Shingun, I think he's going to end up not closing a lot of these games. Uh, and, you know, even if they are going up against a bigger center, like I think Tate is someone that Ime Yudoka is really going to like. And, and yeah, he, he was excellent. Yeah, they love yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he's got a lot of bulk as well. You know, maybe if it's a big center, Jabari can play off the ball and Jay Sean Tate will guard that guy. Maybe they'll even get Dylan Brooks guarding some of these bigger players yeah. as well at times. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure they would love it if a men could get in and close some games, but, you know, maybe I think it's really going to just depend on the matchup, how things are going from night to and I think you make a good point there with Balak too. You know, I mean, you go with then Brooks at the four. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think you know Shingun. I think if he's going really well, and and I hope they bring him back. You know, kind of in that um, you know end of the first, early second, like let him get some more reps, maybe as a hub right. with the second group. And maybe if he's going well in that role, then he, he gets to close out some games. But you know, it does kind of seem like uh, just kind of what I know about Ime and the fact that Shingun, like if he's not going to be featured offensively, like there's not really a reason to have him out there at the end of games. Yeah. 
All right. Any uh, any big strengths and weaknesses for this team that we haven't talked about yet? Um. Well. Well. I guess last season their strength was offensive rebounding. I think they were what first or second in terms of. Yeah. And that was one thing that I saw where it kind of gave me um, reason to understand that young players can listen to coaching. Like because the year before, Steven Silas has complained about them leaving too many shots on the table in terms of not getting back and forcing their their guys to crash. But, and then but, well, when you miss. When you miss a lot of shots, uh, offensive rebounding yeah. becomes a lot more valuable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so those two things go hand in hand. So uh, I think this season, one of their strengths is going to be their um, switching. I do. I really think that they'll be able to be a much better switching team um, just because of the personnel that, they, that they've added. Um, their point of attack defense is going to be much better as well. Adding Fred and Dylan, those are two guys that are incredible guys that – Getting around screens, being point of attack defenders, being able to communicate, rotate on the backside. Um, then obviously it, it depends on how the other guys step up their game, right? Like can Jabari continue to show that growth? Can Amen show that development? Can Jay Sean show that consistency? Um, that's going to be a strength of theirs. I don't think three point shooting is going to be a strength because it still looks iffy to me. Like there's, there's yeah. spacing. It's, I think it's going to be a problem that rears its head time and time again. They just don't have the shooters necessary to, to make that efficient unless they go out and get a buddy yield or something. Um, but you know, a lot depends on if Freddie can turn his efficiency back up. I know last season it was a down year shooting wise. Dylan as well. Dylan as well. So on paper, they they have the guys that they can be a league average shooting team, but I have to see it to believe it. Um, but as far as strengths goes, at least I think their defensive intensity and their defensive versatility is going to be a strength for sure. Yeah, no, I I think that's uh, they they can make a lot of uh, improvements there, and they have some lineups uh, that they can get to. And you know, it's interesting just some of the things you're talking about. I'm like, well, okay, if we get you know just kind of incremental improvement from Jalen Green and Jabari Smith, and like, okay, yeah, the shooting's not going to be that good, right? Those are kind of the two biggest variables in terms of the shooting. Like Fred Brooks, we kind of know what those guys are. Shingun, I don't expect him to become like a big option there. The yeah. bench doesn't really have any shooting. I totally agree with you there. Uh, the rim protection, not really any good uh, at this point. Uh, I mean, maybe Jabari can make some strides there, but I, there's no one that I, I love in that role. They don't have that kind of traditional rim protector. And just like overall scoring efficiency. Like there, if you just look at the career right. true shooting percentages for all these guys, I mean, is there one guy that based on their history, I'm like, I project this guy to have above average true shooting this year, other than maybe Shangun, uh, or certainly for their position. You know, maybe it's Eason, you know, just kind of getting out of, on some fast breaks and stuff like that, but he's not going to be a major piece. You know, that's, and just like star power too, right? I mean, Fred Van Vliet was an all-star at one point, but he's not, you know, one of the premier offensive players in the league. So it, it really, as I think about it more, you know, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, like that's really what it kind of comes down to, to me, their development, if they want to really, you know, I think they'll make a real stride because they're not going to be a clown show the way they have been the last few years. But if they want to actually really be a team that's kind of sniffing around the playing race, like those, their development is the biggest thing to me. So, and I think also, like, I think they're going to be bad on offense. You know, I, I think it's, I don't think they'll be as bad. Like they won't turn it over as much, but they'll probably still turn it over a fair amount. Um, yeah. You know, so, so that's, uh, yeah, I think they'll be good in transition. Hopefully they'll be pretty decent on the glass. Though some of the guys that they lost there, uh, I think they, they might on miss. the glass. Yeah. yeah. KJ Martin. Yeah. They're going to miss that. So we'll see. Um, and, and also yeah. we'll see how, we'll see how um, Jock Landale really, if he can influence that. Oh yeah. On the glass part. Cause he, he's, he's always been a solid rebounder at his position. So, yeah. Yeah, so you tell me whether you disagree with their, this or not. I've kind of got them offensively still kind of in the bottom five. I, I think they won't be last, 
but I, yeah. I still need to see a little bit more. Like, again, noting that if Jabari <clears throat> and Green and maybe Shingun to a lesser extent hit, that that number could rise. And then defensively, that's where I really have trouble projecting. I was talking about this with Hollinger yesterday, that hey, you look at some of these names and some of the talent that like they're probably half the guys in the rotation you look at as plus defenders and some of them being really good but they also they got a lot of youth still on the team they don't really have a great room protector right. and you know he made his reputation as a good defensive coach rightfully so so i still have them projected in kind of the low 20s defensively i acknowledge that that could get a lot better um you yeah. know i think it's, it'd be interesting too to see what dylan brooks is right like he's in a really good ecosystem in memphis he definitely really helps but you know how much can that one guy who gets into you if there isn't all that much behind him help but maybe there is more behind him as well so i I think they could get kind of mid-pack defensively maybe even be slightly above average if everything hits but i'm just conservatism i think in my projection these guys is kind of my name of the game here that i just their main guys as much as getting van vliet and brooks helps their main guys are still going to be green and smith and shingun and you know men's going to play a lot like so that's I still think they kind of rise or fall based on those guys. And I'm just, I'm not ready to bet on like that type of youth as your main players yet for them to get, you know, really like well into the thirties and wins. Yeah. So <clears throat> offensively projection wise, um, what are they like? 20, what? Six. Were they actually that good? Hold on. Let me see. No, well, oh, last thing I think they were 28. Yeah. Say. Yeah. 20. Oh, so you're saying this year. Yeah. I think they can get to 26, 25. Yeah. Just, just because you add Fred and then, you have these young players that should hopefully take you know positive steps defensively. I think is where you'll see some growth because they have added some personnel. And if you if you can count on some level of internal growth, I, I do think that they can get to maybe twentieth, nineteenth. Yeah, you know, and, and if they can get that kind of a jump, that might translate to maybe ten more wins, ten, twelve more wins. Like you never know because defensively is where is where you, you can clearly see that he makes hanging his hat on for this team offensively he's not as worried as what they're going to look like it just feels like everything he's pouring into his, his defense and that's been his calling card because that's what he comes from the pop school of, of defense and, and and i think that from a projection standpoint because of their youth and their relative experience or lack thereof uh, it, it makes sense to keep their offense relatively low because they haven't shown even the prison hasn't their offenses look pretty clunky um but defensively they've actually shown some fight and some tenacity so i wouldn't be surprised if we look up at december and they're 18th 19th in defense defensive efficiency all right i'll I'll do my official prediction here first i'm gonna go with 30 wins for these guys that's a game and a half under their 31 and a half over under at least as of when i looked at it a couple of weeks ago uh yeah, yeah I, I mean i kind of laid out all the components there i mean there isn't going to be that downward pressure you would think due to mm-hmm. Uh, the pick being out uh, at the end of the year but you could also say i mean it just they still have young guys they want to play like if they're out of it hey it would still make sense to kind of give yourself the best possible chance to bump into the top four i mean maybe if it's not a 50 percent chance it's still a 30 percent. but you could see a situation where hey if they're out of it towards the end all right we're going to start a man at point guard like fred you know you can we'll just kind of rest you a little bit more though i guess he was technically an all-star two years ago so he is subject to the the resting yeah. policy but i i think they'll be out of the spotlight <laughs> they'll be able, they'll be able to get around that i think and you know maybe i I don't see anyone necessarily being a big trade candidate 
that's you no. Know, they might make a move to get one more piece in uh, who would help their offense. You know, maybe that changes things a little bit as of now. Right. Um. You know, it seems like they're being pretty trying to be pretty aggressive there, and that seems like a big impetus behind the old depot trade was to continue to have the salary that they could move uh, that wasn't toxic the way Porter Jr. was. So, uh, yeah, I think ultimately thirty is is where I end up with the hope that guys like Amen and Jabari and Jalen Green and Shingun can drive them a little bit past there. Uh, and maybe just, I guess the other thing we should probably talk about just briefly is just how many of these guys aren't here anymore now, right? Like it's not like Fred and right. Dylan Brooks are coming in. It's like, I mean, you look at their, who was on this team a year ago and, you know, guys like Josh Christopher and Kenny Martin Jr. who was, you know, he, he, I think could help a winning team, but he wasn't, he's was probably overstretched last year. And, uh, you know, the, your Garubas and Ty Ty Washingtons and, and your uh, Daishan Nixes of the world, you know, like their backup point guard situation was atrocious last year. So, like, I mean, they were giving so many minutes to guys who are basically like completely out of the league or on two ways this year right. that just replacing those guys with even, you know, kind of young players, but who are a little more adequate, like that's a, a huge step forward as well that maybe we're not considering enough. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why I guess maybe internally they have that optimism is because like you said, they have been able to effectively reshape their roster and move guys that might not have had NBA homes, if not for Houston to guys that, you know, can actually influence winning basketball. So, you know, they just traded for Robinson Earl and, and, and Old Depot. And even, you know, as aggressive as they can remain trying to find more upgrades to the roster, there's a way to get to 30 million if, if they, if they like towards what December or whatever the trade deadline that they can package those salaries together and go add in another piece, right? Because you know, Emay is going to be adamant about wanting to upgrade this roster. That's pretty much the reason why they brought in the guys that they, that they brought in was because of Emay. So he's somebody that you know has an affinity for older experienced players and who's going to want to continue to stress and preach the need to add shooting, the need to add, you know, defense and playmaking and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be shocked if these guys made a move um, this season to add another another quality piece or two, you know, just to help and push things things a little bit faster. Because as you said, they can't afford to lose anymore. Like the, their their assets depend on them winning. You know, everything else ownership depends on them winning. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of expectations that these guys are going to be remarkably better in the next two seasons than they were in the previous two. So. I would be shocked if they if they like sell it, but a line of thirty, and you know, I, I had them at thirty two, but that's under uh-huh. the assumption that they that they add somebody, you know, in in the year because if you go back to last season in the clutch, like they time and time again, it came down to the decision making, and if you replace eighty percent of those decisions with Fred, I think they might be in much better positions. So you know, there's some level of hope that they can cut down their mistakes in the crunch time and turn those into wins all right well kelly you go looking forward to following your work not only in houston but also on san antonio memphis is that is that the full list or i'm missing anybody yes yeah, it's, it's, it's those three to, to the center but if, if i'm needed in atlanta i'll go to atlanta you know if they need me in somewhere else orlando i'll go over there but concentrating on those three teams for sure yeah i mean that's uh that's a pretty good beat right there that's going to be three yeah. fascinating teams so yeah looking forward to uh keeping up with your work all year and we really appreciate you coming on thanks man reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 